Welcome to the Living Word with me, Sarah Jala Emanuel, an evangelist of the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue in our study of the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon of the on the Mount, as taught by our Lord Jesus Christ during his sojourn on earth. And uh, we have studied the uh, first, second, and third Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. And now we come to the fourth beatitude where the Lord said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That is in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. That's the fourth beatitude. Blessed are are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, As I've sought to establish, Christianity is not um, a religious sect or movement that's uh, led or guarded by or fulfilled even by obedience to a string of laws of do's and don'ts. No, it's not. Christianity is the lifestyle, not a lifestyle, but it's the lifestyle established by the Almighty God Himself, who created us for His glorious purpose, who gave us, of, created us in His own image and likeness, that we may be partakers of His divine nature. And so the teaching of our Lord here shows us that Christianity is not such a, so much a matter of obeying the law and obeying laws and commands of do's and don'ts, uh, written laws. It's, it's about a change of heart, a total change in personality that comes from within, a total change in our spirit, in, in who we were before we were redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and who we become when we are after we have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and so uh, the Lord's teaching on the Beatitudes must have really really um, surprised his hearers at the time because these were people who had had the laws of Moses and they were they had amongst them their teachers their leaders were the Pharisees and all uh, and those people who and they were were the people who were sort of uh, bent on obedience to the law and um, in fact they made life a lot more difficult for the people because they put on law upon law upon law and it was impossible and we all know we've established through scripture that it is not possible to receive salvation through obedience to the law because the law in itself was not able to bring about the righteousness that God desires and so uh, our Lord Jesus Christ came for the purpose of r- redeeming his own, those who will be called according to the will and grace of God. So in saying that, um, in, in teaching that, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, uh, the hunger and thirst for righteousness is not a common thing. It's not, uh, it, that is not the natural default human desire. We don't. We, we simply don't. Because righteousness is doing everything that is right in the eyes of God. Now we come into the world, we grow into a life of selfishness and selfish ambition and personal aims and personal goals. That um, And oftentimes we will do anything, anything at all to achieve our goals. And we will tread on anyone who stands in our way. So you know, righteousness is not something we just naturally desire. It's not. I mean, in the first place, it is a gift of God. 
Now, this is not to say that we sit down and, uh, you know, fold our hands and expect God to do it all. No, it is part of the change in attitude that I'm talking about. This is what Christianity is. We come in repentance and we, we confess our sins before the Lord and we receive the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross as having been made for us. We accept that because we know that in, in, in ourselves there is no good thing. In a, an, an, on our own and of ourselves, we cannot please God. And as such, we lay prostrate before the Lord Jesus Christ, before the cross of Christ. And we offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. Which means from now on, Lord, you have saved me. You are now Lord of my life. The life I live now, I want to live in Christ and for Christ. And um, we let the Lord Jesus Christ live his life through us. And that is what brings about this hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, it is a sincere longing for God's righteousness rather than seeking to establish our own righteousness, which was the way of the world before, which was what the people sought to do before when they had the law. They they tried to be righteous. They tried to do all sorts of things. Remember the Pharisee uh, no, uh, who prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ in one of the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ when uh, uh, a sinner could not even look up to the uh, could not look up to heaven but bowed down his head in remorse and in shame and asking God to forgive him a, a, a mere sinner you know and the other guy who stood there and said oh I thank you Lord that I am not like this other guy I pay my tithes I do this I do that I do all the right things in your presence and Jesus our Lord said the one who left justified was the one who actually humbled himself and declared himself a total nothing you know before the Lord and, ple uh, and pleaded for mercy not the one who had all his good works ahead of him to show the Lord. We have no good works. The Bible tells us that um, God has told us already, I, I do believe through the prophet Isaiah, said that the best of our righteousness is as feel the rags in his presence. So what are we talking about? We cannot attain any righteousness, any righteousness of our own. And we see that... Um, this uh, Lord said again in, in chapter uh, verse 20 of chapter 5 of Matthew, he said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So we do not get into the kingdom of heaven. We do not enter in through uh, uh, our, our own deeds or our own works. And this is quite tragic, actually, because we look around today and there's a lot of uh, teachings going on about works, you know, do this and you could probably make you, you you should make heaven if you do that you'll reach heaven if you give this offering you you know the uh, god will open up heaven to you 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 know you pay this m amount of money and you receive salvation it, it's it's all a lie lies from the pits of hell because anyone who relies on himself and his own righteousness and good deeds to receive salvation will not receive salvation it's very clear the bible makes it very clear such a person will simply not receive salvation. It comes through grace. It comes by grace through Jesus Christ alone. It is by grace we have been saved, the Bible says, Ephesians 2, uh, uh, verse 8. It is, of, it is by grace that we have been saved, and it is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God so that no man can boast. Now, that Pharisee we talked about earlier, that Jesus... Um, taught about he had he thought he had something to boast about i thank you that i'm not like this other fella 
I pay my tithes, I do this, I do that, I give my offerings, I pray so many times a week, I fast so many times a week. And the Lord said, "Mm -mm." he did not, he did not live there justified, which meant he did not, he fell short of receiving salvation. You know, we have been saved by grace through, through faith in Christ Jesus, and it is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So now, once we are then new children of God, you know, being given the new birth, which is what happens when we come in repentance to the Lord, he gives us of his Holy Spirit, he gives us new birth. And the attitude of our mind is changed. Now, it's not all of God. Salvation is all of God. But then the follow-on of the change of attitude and a change of, a change of character and the things we do, the decisions we make, we have a part in that. We have a, heart, uh, a hand in that because we cannot just sit down complacently and expect the Lord to do everything. We have got to show our loyalty. We have got to show our submission to Jesus as Lord of our lives by doing what we need to do also in obedience, by working in obedience to his words, his commands, his teachings, everything. You know, this is why Paul the Apostle said in chapter 12 of uh, Romans from verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we have a role to play as well. We have a part to play in this then. And as such, we have been given, yeah, in view of God's mercy, he says, we have, been, we have received mercy from God. And that is why we have been saved. That's why we've been delivered at all. And so because we've received this grace and mercy, he says, now we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy. Holy meaning pure, clean, chaste. You know, we've forsaken our life of, of of canality we forsaken our sins we, we we find them now disgusting we find them terrible we we no longer delight in those foolish things in which we delighted in the past before we came to know the lord jesus christ and so we are acceptable to god because we've come we are submitted to jesus as lord we are now children jesus uh, the bible says as many as believed him he gave the right to become sons of god so now we're children of god we carry ourselves as such and therein lies this hunger and thirst for righteousness that our lord is talking about a desire a very sincere desire to 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 please god to please God in all things in every way to do what is right before God because we know of the grace that we have received we've received that grace of forgiveness and salvation and we are so humbled by it because we know that we could never have earned it of our own you know, on our own you know or, or, or of our own doing it would not it was not possible but we've received it now, and in appreciation of it, we just want to please God. This is exactly how it is. We have earthly employers here we go to work, you know, for. And um, we always wanted to impress them, aren't we? Because they pay us a, 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 a salary or a wage. You know, we want to be on our best foot before them. We want to impress them. We want them to delight in us. We want them to notice us, acknowledge us as loyal and faithful workers, don't we? How much more, how much more the God who created us, how much more the God in whose hands our very souls lie, 
How much more the God who can either justify us or condemn us to eternal hell? How much more should we desire to honor God with our lives and to please God? In the same thing with our relationships, we, we, we meet a partner or we have a wife or a husband or a prospective partner and we, we want to please them because we love them. Because we love them, we don't want to do anything to break their heart. We don't want to do anything to hurt them. We don't want anything at all to, to, to tamper with the relationship we have with them. We want to please them always. We want to, be, we want to impress them at all times. How much more the God of our salvation? Who loved us first? Who loves us in a way that no man on earth can love us? Oh yes, that's why he saved us in the first place. How much more? The God who gives us all things, who makes all things abound to us. The God who has given all things in the earth for us, for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. The God who gives us the strength to do or become anything in life, to work, to, to, who has provided us the means to get an education, to, get, to have families, to, to have loved ones. Everything we have, the very breath of our nostrils we owe to God. Every heartbeat we owe to God. How much more should we strive to honor him above all else and to please him in every way, to be children of delight in his eyes, you know what God testified about Job? God said about of Job, he said, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him in all the earth who loves God and shuns evil. Is God able to say that about me? Is he able to say that about you? That was a man who hungered and thirsted for the righteousness. And this is the life that Jesus said we ought to live. That is the way it's supposed to be. A desire to do what is right in the eyes of God always. To be pleasing because of the great mercy we have received. That amazing grace. Do you know not everyone's going to receive it? It is a privilege for those of us who have. Not everyone's going to be saved. No. As a matter of fact, I can say that um, the majority of the uh, inhabitants of the earth are going to perish. Are going to be in hell. So for the few of us, the handful that the Lord uh, is graciously saving or was graciously saved how much more should we strive to, to, to be children of delight in the eyes of our Savior and Lord let's look at what we read here in um, Romans chapter 6 from verse 15 to 18 Paul says what then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace certainly not do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That is an amazing, amazing testimony of who we are supposed to be in Christ or who we are if we are indeed that uh, you know in that way now consistently constantly hungering and thirsting for righteousness we're slaves to righteousness not slaves to sin anymore that's what we were we've been delivered from it we're slaves to righteousness now a people yearning for God a people longing for God a people just wanting more of God and his holiness 
even as we have the command, Be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. Be holy because God is holy. That's the command. We're people separated unto God. And this is what the Lord is saying. Blessed are you, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, we, we, we repel sin. We do not say, because I've, heard that, I've also heard the teaching, and I've heard professing Christians tell me that, oh, God knows my limitations as a man. It's okay. God is not that harsh. God understands my limitations. He understands my weaknesses, so it doesn't matter. I can, nobody can obey the Ten Commandments. It's impossible. Well, this is not about obeying the Ten Commandments, is it now? It's not about obeying laws, is it now? Which is what I'm saying. It is about total change of attitude. A total change of attitude. Yes, God knows my weaknesses. Yes, God understands my limitations. But then God has given me, he says it clearly in his word, that he has given me the grace to stand under every temptation and to prevail. The desire must be there within me. And this is the hunger and thirst for righteousness, not sitting complacently in my sinfulness and saying, God understands I'm only human. It's the sorriest excuse anyone can give who claims to be a believer. And to be honest, if so, I've had that assertion from quite a few people. And um, I, I, I doubt very much that these are saved people. I mean, I don't want to be blatant enough to say they're not. But quite honestly, that is the situation. It is not possible for you to not to appreciate the saving work of Christ and say you are a believer. It's not possible for you to love your sin and claim you are a believer. What have you believed? What is it you believed? You know, and this is what Paul is saying. What, shall we then continue to sin because we are under grace? Because we are not under law anymore? He says, certainly not. Most definitely not. Our, our Christianity and the salvation we've received is not a license to sin. It is not a license to sin. We, we, we repel sin now. We have a repulsion of sin born out of the realization of the magnitude of the forgiveness that we have received. Do you know that without the salvation and forgiveness and salvation of God, do you know we, we, we were all bound for eternal hell? Where according to our Lord Jesus, the fire does not you know, quench and the, the, the worms do not die. It's a life of eternal torment. And that is the way most of the world is going. And I'm not going to question God and why he's done it, because I'm sorry, he is the creator. He's made it clear that when we walk in disobedience, that's what's going to happen. When we come to him through Christ Jesus, his only son that he gave in our behalf as the atonement for our sins, the propitiation for our sins, then we will be saved. So I'm not going to question. God can do whatever he so chooses with us. We are the creation. He is the creator. Glory be to God whatever he chooses to do, because I know his ways are perfect and his judgments are perfect. His ways are just, and he owes us nothing. But yet he's extended to us this amazing grace and mercy. So when you have now the character of God in you, which is what happens when we are given new birth, You've got, the, you've got the Spirit of God in you now. He lives in you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come. He will live with you and be in you. And it will teach us all that the Lord has taught us and guide us in the way of righteousness. The Holy Spirit comes to testify to the deity of Christ. His Jesus' testimony to us lives within us. And he is the one who brings about our new birth and the transformation of our character. 
the more we submit. Of course, we can always repel him. That's, that's possible. People do that all the time. You know, turn their backs, disobey the Holy Spirit because he's there, he's leading us, he's guiding every believer, but it's up to you. You may choose to rebel. People do do that. Or we may choose to submit ourselves to him. And then he leads us and he guides us in the paths of righteousness. And this desire for righteousness that the Lord is talking about, it goes beyond the self as well. It's not just me, I'm me wanting to be righteous because you know what? Yes, I want to do everything that's right before God because I love God, because God has done so much for me, because he loved me first, because he's delivered me from sin and death and eternal punishment, because he's my maker, he's my God, he's my creator. But then that desire is something I have for others around me as well. I want everyone. That is the desire of every true preacher, quite honestly. And it should be the desire of every true and faithful Christian to see everyone obey God. What a beautiful world it will be. Sadly, we know that's not going to happen. It doesn't kill the desire, however, and that's why we continue to strive as hard and we continue to work as, as hard as we can to bring the truth to as many as would receive it. Not everybody would. But we continue tirelessly to proclaim the truth anyway and preach the word of God in the hope praying fervently that as many as the Lord will call will yield to the truth of God and fall prostrate before the cross of Christ. That they also may receive that forgiveness and salvation and walk in obedience to God. Yes, you don't just, you're not just satisfied with your own righteousness or the righteousness of God, that, of Christ that's been imputed to us as believers. We're quite blessed in that regard. You know, and but but you hunger. There's a hunger for righteousness in others too, and you are saddened by the unrighteousness you see in other people. When people walk in ways that violate the commands of God, you know they're breaking God's heart. That is what sin does. Sin is an affront to the sovereignty of God. Sin is saying to God, "I'll do it my way. I am not accountable to you. I owe you nothing. I belong to me." I rule this body. I reign in this kingdom. That's what sin is. It is an affront to God. And not only is the redeemed person ever so remorseful and ashamed and sorry for, the, for having lived that way, they have a desire, they have a sincere desire to see others come out of living in that foolish m mindset. And that foolish way of life that only leads to death. It leads to death and eternal judgment in hell. So you desire to see people. And this is what, you know, this, this I find this fairly, um, uh, 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 how can I say, distressing. Yes, when I know believers or when I meet believers whose partners are unbelieving or whose children are unbelieving. Or whose parents or loved ones, close acquaintances or relationships are unbelieving. And they don't care. They don't care. You know, they're, they're, they're happy to just carry on. They, you know, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to upset their relationship. They don't want to upset the other person. So they don't want to show their, they don't want to, you know, show they're holier than thou. They say sometimes, oh, I don't want to be holier than thou. 
Is it a matter of being holier than thou? Or is it a matter of you really loving them, loving their souls? That's a problem, you see. We, we, we talk about love, 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 as though we knew, really knew what love is. I don't believe anyone can truly, know, true, can truly know what love is until they know the love of God. Oh, yes. Until they know the love of God. The love of God is unconditional. The love of God gives. Gives without waiting to receive back. The love of God goes, be, is, it goes beyond our flesh. It's all the ways loving our souls and our spirits. That's why, well, that is what he gave his son to redeem. Not our flesh. Our flesh will waste away. It's wasting away. We're full of wear and tear. All sorts of sickness and things. The flesh will perish anyway. But the Lord loves us all the way through our souls. And that is what is come to redeem. Because our soul will never die. Everybody's soul will not die. The flesh will collapse after a while. And at which time the soul leaves it and we say a person is dead. They're not quite dead. They're not dead. The flesh has died. Their souls return to the maker who gave it. The sovereign God. And the soul will live eternally. The only trouble is. Live eternally in the presence of God. As a child of God. As an inheritor of the kingdom of God. As a citizen of heaven. Or live eternally as a condemned sinner in hell. Either way, everyone's going to live eternally. Question is where? So when you say you love a person here in the world, and their, the salvation of their souls does not bother you, you know, it, it doesn't bother you. You, you. you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to upset them. And so you keep quiet about it. And you say you're a believer. I have to wonder, you know. I really have to wonder, what is it you've believed? This word believer that people just throw around left, right and center. What is it you've believed? Because one who has believed is one who has believed the Lord Jesus Christ. One who has believed the Holy Scriptures when it says you're an enemy of God. And unless you receive salvation through Christ, you are condemned to eternal hell. So, one who believes is one who has believed that God said he will judge his people and he will judge and when God says he will judge, he will judge. That's what we believe. Every word written in scripture for our benefit. God didn't write it for his benefit. He wrote it for ours. It's a manual for living. The Holy Bible. Old and New Testaments. Least of the same thing. Salvation in Christ Jesus. So, when people say they believe, they'll still walk in a way that's averse to God and his commands and his will. I have to wonder what it is you've believed. What have you believed? Believer, believer. It's not a nickname. <laughs> it is not a nickname. It is a statement of fact. What have you believed? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yes, but not just that. You have to believe on every word that's written in scripture. So you care for people. How much do you care about their souls? And the one who thirsts and hungers for righteousness, according to what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying here... It's not just about our loved ones. We go beyond that. We pray. How many times as a believer when you pray? Do you actually pray for the lost people of the world? How many times do you pray that for the Lord to actually bring you, give you opportunity to be able to testify to his greatness and his goodness and his great amazing gospel so that people may turn to him? Now we're talking here of any random person in the world, not even those who, lo who you know. 
starting at home is a good thing because yeah charity they say be, you know begins in the home starting with those close to you and then you know spreading your net casting your net wider to the wider world that's what we're there for i mean i preach the gospel of christ all the time i teach the word of god and my purpose my aim is always to bring people to maturity in the truth of god to bring people into the right relationship to call people to obedience i don't know who hears my voice where when and how but i do the work anyway I do it anyway, and my conscience is clear that I proclaim it. Some people would like it, some people wouldn't. As a matter of fact, we should be despised for it. That's when we know we're really serving God. So, you know, that hunger to see others live for God is what really motivates a, a, a believer to live right before God. Because it's not just preaching righteousness, is it now? It's about living it. There's no hypocrisy in the presence of God. Yes, no hypocrisy. There can be no hypocrisy. God doesn't do that. He wouldn't receive that. He will not accept that. But when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, yes, you want to live for God. Because like I said earlier, you want to do everything that's right in the sight of God. And it motivates you to live right. So that the people of the world too may see. That they may see the, you know, the life of Christ in you and turn to God. That is the way it's supposed to be. It's not just the hypocrisy of preaching, but not living you walk the walk or walk the talk, as they say, <laughs> you know, you live it, living righteously in order to bring people and, you know, to God. And our Lord said, such people will be satisfied. That hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. One is satisfied by the imputation of Christ's righteousness to the account of the believer. When God looks at us, when we come to Christ, God sees us as righteous. Why? Because the Lord to whom we, we, we have given our lives is righteous before God. So we too are seen as righteous. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to us. And then we have the indwelling Holy Spirit to teach and correct us and guide us all the days of our lives as we walk in obedience with God, uh, to God. And as many as uh, other people are brought into salvation in Christ and begin to live for God, we are delighted. We rejoice. Because we are happy to see the people come to God. This is what we've been thirsting for. This is what we want to see people. We rejoice and delight in every person, every new convert, every new believer. Because it says in Romans 10.4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So we know they've been brought into that righteousness as well. And so we are delighted. And then we have the eternal, the promise of the eternal kingdom of God. The new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness. Indeed, your hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied by the Lord himself because it is his promise. Continue to hunger and thirst. It is a hunger and thirst that we're supposed to have all the days of our lives. As long as we're here, we'll keep us serving, keep us faithful. And may the Lord keep us strengthened. Amen. <laughs>